Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. study. We're so glad everyone has taken time to be here. I'm always impressed here at the church. So many hardworking people and yet you find a way to get to the house of God. And uh, aren't we glad to be here tonight? We're going to read from um, we're going to read from the book of Philemon. And uh, and Also, we will be reading from Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans Romans chapter 12 today. Uh, I do something, feel something uh, in, in my spirit today. And uh, for this service, specific for probably over a week now. And uh, I feel like God's going to move among us tonight. Do you believe that? How many of you have come to learn from the Word of God? Amen. Um, Verse 1, it's just one chapter. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and he said, And Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And uh, he goes on down and says, uh, verse verse 4, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the knowledge in you of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have, what? Great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. It's almost as if he's setting him up, brother. He's really complimenting him. Do you understand that? But he's about to take care of some business. And he says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I'd rather beseech thee, uh, being such an one as Paul the what? He said, I'm older now. And it's almost as if what he is saying is, there was a day I'd have handled you a little differently. But because I'm older and benevolent, loving grandpaism, still care, but a little more mellowed out. Are you you hearing me teach here tonight? He said, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He said, I beseech thee. It's almost like saying, please. I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus, everybody say Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him that is mine own vows, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing. 
that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him. Everybody say forever. I want to teach you from the book of Philemon on uh, bring Onesimus home. Bring Onesimus home. Everybody say bring Onesimus home. Amen. We need each other. Probably a key theme verse in here with the with the, the atmosphere of the message or the flavor of the message tonight would be Jesus said, you know how you'll know they're my disciples? Because they love one another. How many know it's true? And uh, let's lift our hands and let's pray a blessing on each other tonight. Amen. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for one another. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I pray, Lord, in the time that we're together that you would let there be peace and comfort and God let there be a pleasant of your spirit oh God in Jesus name we pray and everybody says amen you may be seated it, it is a story that unfolds here about really the narrative tonight is to bring Onesimus home. Uh, Onesimus was, it appears in Scripture, which we read that, that Philemon knew who Onesimus was because he had served with him in the ministry at some point. Because Paul declares to Philemon, he says, I realize that he was unprofitable to you in the past. Some in the study would say that Onesimus left Philemon, left him stranded even in need in the ministry. And that because of this, he left him, that there was a grudge between Philemon the leader and Onesimus, one serving with him in the ministry. It appears that there was some ought, there was some distrust between Philemon and Onesimus. So Paul in his writing to Philemon, he is, he is instructing him as well as maybe correcting him. And you can see the demeanor of Paul in his writing because he, how he handles the situation. He's very uplifting to Philemon who is being written to. He is, he is uplifting, talking about his love and how he consoles and how he's hospitable and all these wonderful things about him and even his communication of love. But then Paul stops and says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, that which is convenient, yet for love's sake, I'd rather handle you a little different because I'm now Paul the age. Now, I don't know what age he was, but he was Paul. He said, I'm older now. Somebody shout, he's older now. Because he's older now, he is able to look over his shoulder, over his years, and realize, I haven't always been as wise as I am now. There was times when I was younger that I was very bold. I would have handled things very differently. If you read the epistles that are written by the Apostle Paul, you will find that Paul can come across very, very strong at times in his writing. 
How many know that's to, to be true? I mean, even at one point when you begin to study, and you're really going to understand this if you'll bear with me tonight, but Paul is referencing a little bit of, of he's trying to lead Philemon in the writing, but he's also trying to bring up a little bit about himself as well. He, he's talking a little bit about how he used to be and how I am now. I was bold, but now for love's sake, I'm asking you, please listen to what I'm saying and bring this young man, bring Onesimus home to you for he has not only been profitable to me, but I think he can be very profitable to you if you will forgive him, love him, and let him come back home and serve with you in the ministry. That's, that's the narrative. That's the context that everything is writing. But I want to say and stop here right now, I do believe that all of us have to grow up. I do believe that as newborn babes, we desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And that even though we might be 42 and we might be a brand new born again Christian at 42 and be considered a babe in Christ that has to learn to walk, to talk, and to live. And, and uh, you can, maybe you're raised in this and, and you have a knowledge of scripture, but your relationship with God was never very strong. You attended church, but you didn't have a deep rooted relationship you were only in this because somebody next to you was strong in this and so everybody though has to grow in wisdom even Jesus the Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature and what Paul is addressing he is saying that I'm wiser now I'm older now I handle things differently than I used to handle them I mean when he was young in the Lord he was very bold. He even in one statement said in his writings to the church of Galatia, he said, oh, foolish Galatians. How many ever read that? He was taking care of business. He was bold in his ministry. He was, he was, he was correcting them with very much sternness and went as far as to say he called his brother out. He said, I withstood Peter to the face. I mean, he's ever read that? And he did. He withstood Simon Peter to the face. And in his writings to the church of Galatia, he actually is, is rebuking Simon Peter and saying, he is wrong. It's his fault. All this circumcision business is going on in the church, which we don't have to be circumcised. And he's talking to the Galatian church saying, we're saved by grace. We're not saved by the old law. I mean, he's ever read Galatians. And so Paul is addressing to Philemon, a little bit about the way it used to be. And when you begin to study, there is, there is a deeper rooted thing in this chapter that we're going to address here tonight because Paul knows what it's like to look at somebody and say, I don't need you anymore. Paul understands what it's like to be stood up by somebody and to later say, I don't need you in my life. You, know, you did me wrong. You left me stranded, and so I don't need you. And matter of fact, you will find that Paul, I mean, remember, there was, when you think of Paul and somebody, who was that? Oh, Paul and Silas, right? Where were they at? They went to jail, had a jailhouse rock, you know. Elvis Presley sang about it, I think, I don't know. But they, 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 you know, they, they, they were in jail, right? But it wasn't originally Paul and Silas. It was Paul and Barnabas. He was the, the son of consolation. It was, Barnabas was a tremendous man. 
It was Barnabas that was a bond brother in the church to Paul. It was Barnabas when all the apostles, all the apostles would not accept Paul as an apostle because he was a persecutor of the church. How many know before he was apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus? And he was a murderer. He, 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 he held Stephen's coat while they, the first martyr of the church, first martyr of a believer in Jesus, Saul, now Paul. But he was holding the coat of Stephen when they stoned him in prison, separated families. Every now and then you'll find it come out that Paul would make these statements about how the Lord had saved him. He would say, oh, I count on myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind Reaching for the things which are before. Amen. How many know he would say that? He'd make statements like, I'm the chief of all sinners. You see this little bit of the past trying to hold him back. Maybe that's why he was so bold at times because he wanted to overcome what he had done so bad before with righteousness. So then he would make strong, almost hint the same yeah, 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 I'm walking a fine line here tonight talking about Paul, but, but almost could come across arrogant almost that I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. But in his young, he was, he was younger days in the Lord. You, you find this man that was very strong in his doctrine. He was a very educated man. How many know that? Simon Peter was not. But Simon Peter had something that was very powerful. It was a relationship with Jesus Christ. He had walked with him and talked with him for three and a half years. And amen. I want to know his word, but I want a relationship with the Lord as well. Can you say amen? I want to walk with God. How many want to know the Lord tonight? And so you find this, this story unfolding and, and uh, you find that it was Paul and Barnabas. But it's no longer Paul and Barnabas. Why? Because there's a great strait between them. Why? Because theologians would say, Sister Anderson, that when Paul rebuked Simon Peter, which he boasted of later, he should have never boasted of that. Are you hearing me? We shouldn't boast of our, we shouldn't boast of that. But he did. And that's, that's why he's writing Philemon. You, you see that some later epistles here. But I think it's interesting because Theologians would say that when Paul rebuked Simon Peter, there was one by the name of Mark who wrote the book of Mark, also known as John Mark, also known as Marcus. All the same character. He was not an apostle. He wasn't even one of the 12 disciples, but he was a follower of Jesus Christ. But you will find that Simon Peter writes a book later, and he says, to those that are in Babylon, and he said, my son, Marcus, so in the scripture, when you're talking about sonship, it was the person you discipled. It was, Paul even made reference about Timothy, my son in the gospel. How many know what I'm talking about? A son of the gospel, that means that loyal follower that I begotten thee, I, you converted under me, I've trained you, I've discipled you, you've walked like me. It's amazing, it's amazing when I, uh, you can see somebody preach that maybe I've discipled and they have the same mannerisms as I do. Why? They're a son of the gospel. When I would travel, people come up to me. Let me say, don't ever say this to a young preacher. One of the things they were saying to me, Connor, they would say, one of these days you're going to be a good preacher. I mean, I just preached my heart out. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. They meant well. 
Well, one of these days you're going to be a good preacher just like your dad. You remind me like your daddy. Well, just tell me I remind you like, like I'm a, I remind you of my dad, you know. But I, what was it? I'm his son. There's characteristics. It's amazing watching my dad preach. I see resemblances sometimes of my pastor growing up. Some of the same preachers that came out from under our pastor have certain demeanors. And so Marcus would have had, are you ready for this? Marcus, John Mark, Mark, Matthew, Mark. He had this follower of Simon Peter. And he was offended. He was offended when Paul rebuked his pastor. And he was going to go on the first missionary journey with Paul and his uncle Barnabas. Barnabas was Marcus or Mark, John Mark's uncle. He was going to go because Mark knew Latin. He knew Latin. And where Paul was going to go, he was going to go to a country that spoke Latin and John Mark was going to be his interpreter. And when Paul rebuked Peter, he got offended. And he said, I'm not going on that journey with you. You're not going to talk that way to my pastor. And he left him. And so later, so Paul and Barnabas went on missionary journey. Later, Barnabas is who? Oh, I wish we were all Barnabases. He's a son of consolation. Going back to Paul, when no one wanted Paul to be an apostle, it was Barnabas that went and introduced Paul and said, you can trust him now. He's, longer, he's, not, a, he's not a trickster. He's not, he's not a spy trying to find out where we are so he can kill us. He is one of us now. He's a believer on the road to Damascus. He would have told the story of Paul's conversion. Paul, or excuse me, Barnabas, was a, he, he was a, a mediator. He was a bring them together type of guy. Blessed is the peacemaker. Can you say Amen. And what you'll find is that, is that uh, Barnabas goes to Paul and said, let's bring Marcus with us. Let's, let's, let's bring him on this journey. And Paul said, I don't need him. He left me stranded. And you know what? He's not going on this. You see the boldness of this young apostle? He's not going on that missionary journey with us. How do you think Barnabas is going to respond? Now he's offended. Because, Paul, it's not right. He's a young man. He's going to make mistakes, but you need him. I don't need him. I don't want him anywhere around me. I'm not going to try to depend on him. we got to preach. I can't have somebody like that under my ministry. You know what Barnabas did? He took Mark, and he went to Cyprus. How many of you ever heard of Rhoda's house? That was Mark's mother's home. And Barnabas went to his sister's house and took Marcus with him. And Paul had to get somebody else to go with him. And became later known as Paul and Silas. And there's a great, watch this, Scripture says, and now there's a great strait between them. Can I preach to you today that Paul is making a very powerful statement to Philemon. He said, there was a day when I was younger that I would have been bold. But please listen to this wiser man now. There's some people that you don't have in your life that you need in your life. And there's some people right now that you're being bold with. And there's some people right now that you're being arrogant with that later you're going to grow up and realize you need them in your life. 
Can I say the church, we are followers of Jesus Christ, but sometimes we got to walk through the filter of our own mind and our own personalities and our own agendas and our own opinions. And if we're not careful, we will allow things to get in our way because somebody's just a little bit bold. Come on, I, I, I'm a preacher. I've been in this for 42 years, and I've seen, a lot of, I've seen a lot of great people get things in between them. I've seen preachers get things in between them. I've seen great men of God that are both equally great in the kingdom of God, but they allow things to get in between them. Can I tell you this today, that we've got to get a Psalms 133 spirit about us? What is it? How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Can I say there's a pleasantness about seeking unity? Come on, I'm saying there's a pleasantness about seeking unity and needing one another and being there for one another. We need each other like never before. We need. Can you say we need one another? Amen. Turn to Psalms 133 and I'll show you what I'm talking about here. Psalms chapter 133. We need to be unified. You know, Jesus told Simon Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. That means to destroy you. I think, I think it's interesting if we're not careful that we won't follow the pleasantness and the spirit of God. We can follow our own pride and get separated. How many know it's true? How many of you have ever been offended? The Bible says offense must come. Yeah, about four of you raise your hand. You know, the rest of you aren't telling the truth here. Or maybe it's because I pastor the perfect church. It's not true. I'm here. Behold, how good, verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? You can be together but not united. Why? Opinions. Personality conflicts. Um, not everybody in the church is going to be like you. They're not even going to look like you. You're going to have people of all different types, sizes, desires, food. I think we all like pizza. But when the Bible talks about the end time, stay with me here. But when we talk about the end time, the Bible says in that day, he, he, he said there, there's going to be things that are going to happen. He said some are going to fall from the faith. They're going to part from the faith. But he addresses that one of the works in Galatians uh, what is it, 5 and uh, 19. One of those works of the flesh. You know what one of them is? It's variance. Everybody say variance. It's a work of the flesh. It's, it's equal to idolatry. Witchcraft, hatred, emulation, seditions, heresies. He said it's a work of the flesh. You know what that is? You know what variance means? Variance means let's find where we're different and let's argue. You ever met somebody like that? They, they, can't, they can't find agreeable things. they got to find where you're different. And then that becomes where they put all of their emotion is where you're different. It's a work of the flesh, and the Bible says it's sin. Let me talk about leadership here. You are disciples of Jesus Christ. We've got to find where we're together. We've got to find what unites us. We've got to find what pulls us together. I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. Amen. He says the atmosphere of unity is so powerful. Watch how he compares it. He said, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? It is like the precious ointment. Everybody say the anointing. 
up on the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, which was the priest, that went down to the skirts of his garments. You have to understand, it is painting the picture of oil being poured. It's the act of the oil being poured. It's anointing oil. In the mix of anointing oil, it's olive oil, which calamus and myrrh and cassia and cinnamon are mixed in there for a holy anointing oil. When they were pouring that on there, the entire room would have, would have smelled different. How many of you ever walked into a house with contention? I was at Walmart. I told somebody one time, Merry Christmas. And they said, oh, it's not a Merry Christmas in my family. We always fight and argue and fussing. And she said, I don't ever look forward to Christmas because somebody's going to be arguing and fussing. And I went to the hospital in the same way. I asked somebody one time, I said, Merry Christmas. They said, oh, we just fight at our house. It's just going to be terrible. I don't look forward to it. I don't, I don't, that's, that turkey's going to taste terrible. How many's ever heard of it? That, that, that contention is, you, it was so, you could feel contention so thick. You could cut it with a knife. Why? Because the atmosphere, you could feel it. Oh, God forbid the atmosphere of the church ever become contentious. It's not. There is something special about this place. And I'm going to tell you what I feel. And I've said to everyone, there's something special about you people. It's not this building that makes the atmosphere powerful. It is the people that dwell together in unity with a love for God, a love for prayer, a love for truth. You come in and say, praise the Lord. Hello. You mean it when you say, how are you doing? You know what? In the church, there's going to be times I preached real hard the last two weekends. But I'm going to tell you something that's going to win this community. We've got to understand truth and the wrath of God, the judgment of God, eternity. We need to understand that. But I'm going to tell you what's going to keep us in the church. It's the love of God. It's we feel his presence. We know that he loves us. He's not trying to kill us. He's not trying to throw us into hell. He loves us and we love one another. I want everybody to say, by the goodness of God. It leadeth us to repentance. I believe we need to hear preaching on eternity. But I don't think I could go to church every single week and somebody preach about going to hell. Preach about judgment. Preach about the wrath of God. It's in the book. We need to preach it. We need to be balanced. But I'm going to tell you something else is in there. It's his mercy. It's his healing power. It's his loving kindness. It's his goodness. Come on, I'm telling you, you are good enough to live for God. You are worthy. The cross made you worthy. He wants to make you. Come on, jump to your feet just for a minute. Clap your hands and just give him praise for his mercy. Somebody shout, his mercy. Amen, amen, amen. I want you to look at four or five people and tell them, you make the atmosphere here pleasant. Man, it sounds good hearing everybody talking in the church. Amen. It's amazing when you come in, you say, I was glad when they said it. Said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Can't wait to get there. It's the best atmosphere in town. It's the house of God. It's the presence of God and it's the presence of his people. Somebody say the presence of God and the presence of his people. Don't leave it all up to me. I'll make me grouchy one Sunday. I don't know. You just look at your guests and say, he's a little off today. Come back next Sunday. You can be seated. Hey, we're not perfect. Unity is not agreeing on everything. 
Unity is finding where we can't agree and loving one another. How many know it's true? He said it's like, it's like the anointing. When the anointing pours. Everybody say when the anointing is poured. The atmosphere changes. And what he's saying is, is when you seek for unity, the atmosphere is inviting. Give me a church that's united. I'll show you a church that's growing. Hallelujah. Every now and then the sound's going to be off. The singer's going to be off. The preacher's going to be off. I said that already. Every now and then one of us are going to be off. Coming in, got the world on your shoulders, been through a crisis, and you don't talk. You're not as jolly as you usually are because you had a chaotic week. They didn't shake my hand. I'm not going back to that church. Christians should be perfect. Holy attitudes at all times. When you take a shower, the water splits around. You can't even get wet because you're so holy. Can't even go swimming in the summertime. Water just spills out. We're people. We get grumpy. Now, if you're grumpy all the time, you need to get saved again. But every now and then, that's what Paul was saying. There's a day I was bold. I handled things different. But he said, but if you seek unity, Philemon, something great's coming out. Profitable things are going to happen. Your emotions, man, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. It's going to set your emotions free. See, people that find variance are always troubled. Because within themselves, they're discontented with who they are. So they have to argue. They have to find indifferences. How I many know it's true? But he said, when you seek unity, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Hey, if, you, if you're hearing me tonight and you feel like you're dying, you know what you need to start doing? I'm not talking about physically dying. I'm talking about emotionally dead. You know what you need to do? You need to seek unity. He said, because it's going to be like the rain that falls upon the top of the mountain. Hey, you give me a peacemaker, I'll find you somebody that's content and happy. Find somebody that's unforgiving and argumentative, and I'll show you somebody that has issues in their emotions because they're not pleasant. They can't be pleasant. Why? Because they're operating outside of scriptural context, and the scriptural context is what brings the blessing of God. And when you seek peace instead of indifference and you seek love instead of, and, 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 and instead of a contention, what you'll find, you will find pleasantness coming all over you, and people want to be around people that are pleasant. You like getting around people that argue all the time? Oh, no, 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 no. But that's not the place of the church. The place of the church is a place where we come to seek unity with one another. You know what that is? I want to go to heaven with you. I want you to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to forgive you when you're wrong. I want you to forgive me when I'm wrong. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain. Somebody shout mercy. How many want to have mercy? Look at your neighbor and say mercy. Mercy. Now look what it says. He said, watch, for there, somebody shout there, where is there? It's unity. When you're together and you're united, there have I commanded the blessing. Even 
and life forevermore. You know what I want God to do? I want God to look out of heaven and say, you know what? I want to bless somebody today. And, and Michael and Gabriel and, and a host of angels say, you need to look down at Zanesville. Those people love one another. Lord, they love you, but they love each other. They don't agree on every topic that's out there, but they love each other. They're glad to see one another. They're looking forward to going to heaven with each other. I'm telling you, that's where God says, I'm going to bless them. I believe God can bless an entire community because of one church. I believe it. I believe God can bless this entire community over one church. I know we're not the only church, but I'm saying one church can make a difference if we love each other. We care about one another. Amen, amen, amen. I called somebody today worried about them. I texted them worried about them. They were down on themselves a little bit. I said, come home. You might have been up and down in your walk with God, but come back home. I've learned something probably in 2020. I've learned that everybody has to grow up. A lot of young people make a lot of bad decisions. But then they come to their senses. Paul is addressing this. He's saying, listen, I know Onesimus wasn't perfect. I realize he wasn't even profitable. But he's not the guy he used to be. You need to forgive him. You need to let him come home. If you will let him come home, he's going to be profitable to you. I've come to tell you, there's some people in your life, not just in the church, but in your family, that they made some bad decisions Bad things when they were younger. They were bold. They didn't have any benevolence inside of them them at all. But they're different now. If you would just open your eyes, don't label them the way they were 10 years ago. It's not fair to view them because of something that happened when you were 7 or 17 or 22. You can't do that. Christians can't do that. That's why he said when you come to the Lord, you get a complete makeover. It's a do-over. It's a start-over. When you get on your knees and say, God, I'm a sinner, he said, go ahead and say that too. Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I need it forgiven. I had to make a a lot of bad decisions to get to where I am. God, I'm going to become righteous, but Lord, I forgive everybody that's ever trespassed against me. That's what he's saying. And if you will seek forgiveness and get a brand new start and say, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not holding any grudges of anything anybody ever said about me. I'm going on to perfection. I'm going on to Pleasantville. I'm going on to a place of happiness. Oh, give God a shout of praise here tonight. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be joyful. I really do feel like praising him tonight. I've never been happier, never been more joyful. Thank God for his peace. Somebody shout glory. He said, there I have I commanded the blessing. And if you look back, you'll find something very interesting. Because when Paul and Barnabas were separated, John Mark was told he can't go on the missionary journey. It is a trying, troubling time in Paul's life. And Paul was writing Philemon, and it's almost a letter of repentance that he's writing to Philemon. What he's saying is, I didn't do Marcus right. I've been in the same boat you're in. I had somebody to stand me up. I had somebody that wasn't profitable to me. But if there's one thing I understand now, please don't ignore the people God's put in your life that did you wrong at one time in your life. Come on. We cannot let things get in between us in the church. If you walk in the church and somebody doesn't have a mask on, don't get mad at me. Assume the positive. I said assume.
politics separate us in the church. There's all kinds of opinions of politics. It's like noses. Everybody's got one. Opinions, but if we're not careful, the devil can plant things like mask or no mask or po political things that, that are there. And next thing you know, you can't even walk down the aisle to shake somebody's hand because they have a different viewpoint than you do. And where are you at? You're here, and the devil just sits back and said, I did it. Can't get blessed now. They can't get blessed now. Come on, I'm talking about we've got to become Barnabases in the church. They say, you know what, let's get some forgiveness. I told somebody today, I said, let's get this worked out between you and that offense in your spirit. Let's get it worked out. Let's not live in this forever. Let's get this fixed. I'm come to tell you, there's nothing like being set free in forgiveness. Oh, how many believe that? I heard somebody make this statement one time, and it's so true. Forgiveness sets the prisoner free, and then you find out that you were the prisoner. When you hold a grudge, you build a wall around you. And I'm going to tell you, you build a wall around you between you and them and you and God. You can't have a grudge and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not biblical. You cannot do it. You've got to seek unity. And that's where God says, if you can forgive, I'm going to open. It's the currency of the kingdom is mercy. You want to, the best thing that can happen to you is somebody do you wrong so you can forgive them and give them mercy. Because if you give mercy, God puts in your future mercy and you become wealthy in the kingdom of God with mercy. So you could take advantage of being done wrong so you can become wealthy in the kingdom of God in what I call mercy. Can't, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about mercy, 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 mercy. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's what the Bible calls it. He's talking about in that verse mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, give me some mercy. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a whole lot of it, Amen. Ephesians 4, 32, look what it says. I hear you out there, Pastor. You made us fast for three days and you just let us go to the restaurant. Y'all not going to get hangry, are you? Don't get hangry at the preacher. Can you throw it up there? You can't? Ephesians 4 and 32 Let's look and see what it says. These are biblical commandments. Ephesians 4 and 32, it says, And be ye what? Kind one to another, if we agree. No. If we have assumptions. It says it's a commandment to what? Be kind. Everybody say be kind. One to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath what? How many want to be forgiven? But you can't be forgiven if you do not what? Forgive. Philemon, listen to this aged preacher. It'd do you a whole lot of good to bring Onesimus home. He's going to be profitable to you. And then he says... At the end of the chapter, if you will turn there with me. After he convinces him, please, I'm asking you to give him another chance. Aren't you glad God gave you another chance? How many of you made mistakes that you had to grow up? You came to your senses. Let's all stand.
He said, verse 23, at the end of his letter, he said, There salute Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. And verse 24, he says, who? Marcus. Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, which was Luke who wrote the book of Luke. My fellow what? Somewhere. The Marcus, Mark, John Mark, the one he said, I don't need you, is now laboring with him again. It was a no accident that he told Philemon. It was no accident that he told Philemon, bring Onesimus home. And it's not me just, just greeting you. Luke's with me. Mark's with me as well. Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul's last writings. I want you to turn there with the pastor. Can I tell you all, I love pastoring you. It's a great honor to be your pastor. Let's grow together. Let's age together. I looked in the foyer. My picture is out of date out there. Can't tell you how many people come up to me and say, you used to have hair. Shut up. He tells Timothy, this is the last writings, Sister Tina, the last writings of Paul before he dies. And he said to Timothy, his son in the gospel, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach the word, he says. Do the work of an evangelist. Verse 7, he said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've lived my life. I have what? Kept the faith. He said, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Everybody say the coming of the Lord. He said, do thy diligence to come to me shortly. Come To come shortly unto me. For Demas forsaken me. Love this present world. We're going to see people backslide. Because they love the world. It's not that they don't love the church. They just want sin. It's going to happen. As much as I love to stop it, I can't. I can preach truth, but they have to choose. I mean, no, choose you this day. Choose, this, choose you this day who you will serve. And he said, he said, love this present world and is depart unto Thessalonica. He just went home. He just quit. He goes on and says, talks about uh, Christines to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Verse 11, he said, only Luke is with me. Take Mark <laughs> and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Whatever you do, you make sure you involve Mark. Because I was wrong when I was younger. I should have never looked at that young man who didn't do right and say, I don't need you. I made it right, Timothy. And you probably know how my feelings were about some of that but make sure don't leave don't leave Mark at the house don't leave Mark in another city you go preach you take Mark with you because he's profitable you know what some people just need to hear in our world you're valuable I know you failed but you're profitable there's a future in you 
We need you. You might be watching online right now and you're saying, hey, I, I, I failed. I made a mistake. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why this older preacher now, if I've ever offended you, if you're watching online, I want you to know it's time to come home. There's a ministry at the anchor for you. I'm going to say everybody in this building, we all had to grow up, had made mistakes. Since we come to the Lord, we've, we've failed. But you know what? There's a ministry in him. Come on, Simon Peter didn't do right after three and a half years of ministry, but what did Jesus do? You go tell my disciples. And Peter, who denied my name, I need you. You go preach the gospel, Peter. You're going to be used of God. You're going to be anointed of the Lord. You're going, to, you're going to preach the first message to the world. Yes, you are. You failed, but guess what? You're needed and you're going to be profitable. And a man that denied the Lord, Simon Peter, what happened? He ended up giving his life for the Lord, was crucified on a cross upside down. That's what history tells us. Because he was given another chance. I want everybody to say, bring Onesimus home. Lift your hands all over the building and let's pray. Lord, today we pray the prayer of Simon Peter. We're going to bring we're going to bring the Onesimus. We're going to bring him home, oh God. Yes, we are. We're going to see great things come out of him. We're going to see great things come out of him, oh God. Come on, all over this building, the Lord is moving. He's speaking. He's helping. He's touching. Even those watching online, I pray the blessing of God on your life. Come on, you might have failed before, but Onesimus... Come and be trained. Come and do what happened. Come and get along the ministry and succeed. For you're profitable. Come on, Philemon. Only thing missing in your church is Onesimus. Only thing missing in your ministry is Onesimus. I realize, I realize you have a church in the house right now, but it's going to grow, Philemon, if you just let Onesimus come home. It's going to expand, it's going to multiply. There's some people God wants to put in your life. They failed you before, but they're going to be profitable now. Quit, quit, quit stopping trusting people. You'll get hurt again, but God's got a plan for your life. Come on, I want you to lift your hands over the building and say, God, I don't want, I don't want to hold Onesimus from my life. I want to bring Onesimus home. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I feel like the Lord's wanting to speak to us all over the building. Open your spirit to the Lord right now. I feel like God's going to speak to your spirit. I have preached the word. Let the spirit of the Lord speak to you. On the Holy Ghost is here. Somebody obey the Holy Ghost right now. <laughs> In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Clarity is going to come to your mind. The Spirit of the Lord is here right now. Come on, open your spirit all over this building. I want you to pray. God, I need you. What's missing in my life could be Onesimus. could be a person that's done me wrong. I need to let him back in my life. Hallelujah.
Come on, Barnabas. Let's connect some people together that's been separated. I'm seeking unity. I'm going to fight for unity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want anybody to be lost. And I don't want to be lost. Because I let something get in my spirit. If you're here today and you've got something in your heart, you need to turn over to the Lord. Maybe something I've preached about, maybe something I've preached about in the last few Sundays. But you say, I need to get some things right with God. I want you to come on to the altar. That's what we've got this altar for. Come on. You say, I've been thinking about talking to God. I, I need to tell God some things. I want you to come to the altar and pray today. Hallelujah. Go ahead and sing. God bless you tonight. Bring Onesimus home. something sobering. Do you feel that tonight? I feel like God's opening something up in us. Today we had a great moment on the phone. I talked to Mike, Brother Mike Tay's son almost every day. Very maybe three or four days in the last month have we not talked. They gave Debbie Tayhai 1% chance to live. They did plasma treatments and gave her a 50% chance to live. And then at the end of it, they said it didn't work. But Brother Mike's been recovering from his own procedures. But today, a lady that really hasn't responded told the nurse and said, I want you to call my son. That is one of the greatest miracles we've seen all year. Sister Debbie Teha said, she mouthed, I want you to call my son. I can't tell you how many times they said, we've done all we can do. We've done all we can do. we got to go to palliative care. we got to go to comfort care. we got to go to end the life. But today, they called him, faced it. Brother Nehemiah, so powerful. You were there with me. We went over and she went in the, went in the ambulance to where it is now. But he said, I was able to get on the phone with her. And he said, I love you, Mom. And she said, I love you, too. That's a miracle. I think we ought to rejoice about it. I have wept. I have rejoiced. I thank God for it. Amen. Aren't we glad for the power of prayer? I told Mike, I said, you keep on praying for your mom, buddy. He's been seeking God for her. I think if you can, I think if you can, if those in here that have Mike Tejas' number, send a video clip. Just said, hey. This is Joe and Rose, whatever. 
We miss you at the anchor. We love you. We're looking forward to you coming home. And they will share that with them. I think they'd encourage. There's one thing they love. They love each other and they love the church and they love God. Amen. They really do. This family of God, this kingdom of God, let's encourage them. And let's believe with them. We will pray for Sister Hodge. She's had some tests run. And we're going to believe that God's going to heal her of what's going on in her life right now. Would you lift your hands and pray for Sister Betty Hodge? God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, the treatments that she's going to go through in the next few weeks, that God, you would do it again. Lord, you've done it before. You've already done it twice. But we pray, God, a third time that you would heal her body. You would touch her spirit in Jesus' name. Oh, we're so grateful. We're so thankful. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in God, what you're going to do for Sister Hodge. Oh, I feel something in the building. I really do. Woo. Somebody shout glory. Amen. You're probably questioning about the governor's mandates of that. Nothing that he said really has affected what we do in religious services. And so we can move on as we are. I think we're safe. I think we're, I think we're doing things right. I appreciate our staff. We're going to keep having church, okay? So Saturday night at 7, Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Sunday night, you don't want to miss Sunday night. It's going to be powerful. Amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. You can stay as long as you want and pray. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.